All right, we are continuing our summer series after a little bit of a break. We had Pastor Celia preaching on prayer last week, and uh, here at our live services, we had Dr. Alan Tennyson. You can check out his breakout session uh, that we had at two o'clock on a Saturday, and then the next time we have a break, Dr. Alan Tennyson's uh, weekend message will be coming forth, so very excited to have that online as well. But we are jumping back into our series, The New Life, and covering all kinds of different things like water baptism, the different things that as we follow Jesus that we go through, you know, kind of landmarks along the road. And today, I want to talk about hearing from God. You know, uh, it's just a big deal to be able to be led by God through this life. It's an incredible privilege, and it can really solve a lot of problems if we can truly be spirit-led, led by the Lord through this life. Why do I pray, mentioning that the Lord guides us by his Holy Spirit and his Holy Word? Why do I do that? It's because being spirit-led, hearing from God is a huge, huge deal, and we want to grab a hold of that. It can be the difference between stagnation in your faith and continual spiritual growth. If you're not hearing from God, things get boring, things get tired, and you just sort of like stagnate. If you are hearing from God, if you are getting direction from God, if you're getting revelation on understanding, you're getting direction on what you're supposed to do, the skills you're to develop so that you can be used by God, well, then you're going to be spiritually growing. You're going to be building your faith and you'll be becoming. So it can be the difference between stagnation and continued spiritual growth. It can be the difference between confusion and clarity. Being able to hear from God in difficult circumstances, what do I do here? There can be confusion, and we just don't know what's going on, but then we can hear from God and get clarity, get understanding. I remember praying about, you know, all the craziness going on with COVID, and then we, you know, here in Minnesota, we have the George Floyd thing, and it's like all these terrible things are happening, and I don't know what to do, and I, I don't know how to lead through these things, and so I prayed and asked God, and I believe, you know, not not an audible voice, not a vision from God, but just kind of an impression on my heart. You know, here's three things to tell people. You know, rise above. You don't need to be stuck, you know, in being one of the combatants, one of the people just fighting and, and believing everything they hear on the internet and all that. You don't need to be one of those. Don't be caught in that. Rise above that. You know, we're citizens of heaven. Let's rise above. Then in the midst of all this confusion and craziness, let's represent Jesus well. So we rise above all of that, don't get sucked into it, but we also represent Jesus well, represent the heart of God, represent the character of God, represent the truth of God, represent God well. And then, you know, it's not going to solve every problem, so rest in the Lord. That was the third thing, just three things. Give me some clarity instead of confusion on what to do, how to lead it's like, okay, let's rise above, let's represent Jesus well, and then let's rest in the Lord. We can do that. Provides clarity over confusion when we can hear from God. It's also can be the difference between believing lies and believing the truth. You might have believed your whole life that there's just something wrong with you and no one can love you. That's a lie. The truth is that even in your imperfections, you are created in the image of God. God loves you right now, and he's got a plan for you for redemption and new life and, and victory. I mean, hallelujah for that. You might 
you might be believing lies about who you are, and you can hear from God and reject those lies and believe the truth. That's, I tell you what, that's so valuable. I mean, I want people to know those sorts of things so that they can grab hold of truth and not be believing lies about themselves, lies that are destructive and hurtful. Yeah. You are loved by God. You're created to be a child of God for everlasting life. Grab hold of that. All right. So hearing from God can just make the difference. Let's read some scriptures about being led by the Holy Spirit and then also being led by the Holy Scriptures, because I do believe those two things weave together in in a, a perfect harmony. There's a symbiotic relationship between the Spirit and the Scriptures. And if we're missing one or the other, we can run into real problems. In the Gospel of John, we'll read a little passage from John 14, a little passage from John 16, but it's really the same dialogue. It's it's the Last Supper. Jesus is talking to his apostles, and he's having a very important conversation with them. And he brings up the idea of being led by the Spirit a couple of times, and I want to look at that. John 14, 25, and 26 says this. So Jesus is, again, he's speaking to his apostles on the night he'll be betrayed. And he says this, among many other things, all this I have spoken while still with you, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So Jesus is saying, I've told you a lot of stuff, but the Holy Spirit is going to come. And the Holy Spirit here, there's two things that Jesus says here. The Holy Spirit will teach you all things, teach you all things. Now, that might be awful helpful, right? Everything you need to know, the Holy Spirit will teach you. That's why in Second Peter, you know, it says we have everything we need for life and godliness because we have a relationship with God. That's all we need. So we need to tie into this relationship with the Holy Spirit teaching us all things. And what else? Uh, teach us all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So the Holy Spirit will also bring up what Jesus has said and remind them of that. So for us, it could even be, you know, the teachings of the scriptures, not just the teachings of Jesus, but the rest of the New Testament teachings. You know, a scripture just all of a sudden pops up in your head. That's the Holy Spirit reminding you of of the teachings of the Bible, the teachings of Jesus. So that's amazing. Then we jump to chapter 16, and Jesus says something very similar in verses 12 and 13. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. So Jesus wants to tell them things, but they're not capable of understanding. They're not capable of bearing what he has to say. So verse 13, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. So here, two more things, being uh, the Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth. Again, like that's an amazing promise. Not only guiding us into all truth, but also he will tell you what is yet to come. Wouldn't that be helpful? <laughs> to know what's coming, to know what's around the corner. You know, I want to be able to grab hold of this on its fullness because, you know, we did a 2020 vision series. I did not uh, expect the pandemic to happen. I didn't expect any of these things. You know, we didn't have that in our plan for the year 2020. It would have been nice to have had a little tip ahead of time. And so if I could have grabbed a hold of this, the Holy Spirit 
telling you what is going to come in the future, then, man, that would have been very helpful. So, Lord, speak to me. (laughs) Tell me about the future. I want to know what incredible promises. So we have these promises about the Holy Spirit's guidance, but we also have promises about the the Scripture and the power of the Scripture. Let's go to uh, 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 say, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So the scriptures are there. The word of God is there to teach us, to rebuke and correct us, to train us in righteousness so that we may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So we see here an incredible value in the guidance of the Holy Spirit, but also an incredible value in the guidance of the Holy Scriptures. So for me, it's about those two things coming together, the Holy Spirit's guidance and the truth of the Word of God, the the Scriptures working together. Hearing from God in my life started with honestly, though critically, I wasn't a believer when I started reading the Bible, honestly, though critically, reading the scriptures. And the first scripture that really popped out, I started in the book of Matthew, and I encourage if you're someone who doesn't know the Lord, you just happen to be seeing this, I encourage you to start reading in the book of Matthew. There's lots of important things in the book of Matthew. Uh, It gives you a good picture of what happened in the life and teachings of Jesus, how that all works. Very, very helpful. One of the things Jesus had to say in Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 and 8, were very powerful to me. This kind of spoke to me when I was reading the Bible, again, honestly, though critically. I I wasn't a believer, but I you know, I was like, well, I don't know. We'll see what this thing has to say. And if I, if there's a God out there, that'd be good to know. Let's just check it out, you know? And so verses seven and eight of chapter seven, Jesus is speaking and he says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. And so You know, hearing from God includes just reading the scriptures and understanding the the ways of God. And this I understood. God is inviting me to ask. He's inviting me to seek. He's inviting me to knock. So if I go ask, I seek, I knock, the promise is that God will respond. Everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. The one who knocks, the door will be opened. Now, this doesn't mean that you can command God to do whatever you want. You know, this that's not what this is. You can ask amiss. You know, you, you can have these various problems in uh, in seeking the things of God. But if you're honestly just trying to find out what's going on, I believe God will meet you where you're at because that's what happened to me. And so I prayed a prayer and quoted this scripture back to God. I didn't, no one taught me to do that, but I've heard other people uh, teach on that. Like, if you want to have effective prayer, pray the scriptures back to God or pray the scriptures over your situation. You know, look at the scriptures. And so I prayed this to God. I prayed a prayer, uh, you know, Lord, there's this guy, he gave me a book. He says, it's your book. And in it, it says, ask, uh, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find, knock, and the door will be opened. And I said, I'm knocking. And then I had a quick 
transition in my understanding of how to hear from God, adding to the reading of the scriptures, the supernatural hearing from God through the Holy Spirit, through the power of God. When I, I, I was driving down the road, I prayed that prayer. I've told this story before. This is the very short version. I uh, prayed that prayer and I had an open vision. I saw two hands appear in the sky open up like that. And then that went away. And I was like, oh my goodness, you know, like, wow. So it was shocking to me, but I quickly understood that I could read the scriptures and I could understand here. I could see the truths of God, but then I could pray and I could, I could interact with God in on a, on a different level, that kind of Holy Spirit level, the supernatural level, the personal level. So I had that experience and then, you know, I haven't had another open vision. There's just one, you know, two, three seconds worth of open vision in my whole life, you know? So it's not like this is a regular occurrence. But then it went into the still small voice, you know, asking God a question and then getting a, an impression on my heart. Here's the, here's the answer, that sort of still small voice. So it was about reading the scriptures, finding out what the word of God had to say, and then asking and listening to the still small voice of God. And that I am just so thankful for being able to live a life of seeking the Lord in that way, looking at the scriptures asking questions and listening to the still small voice of God. So again, both the Bible and the Holy Spirit are essential to hearing from God. The Bible and the Holy Spirit's leading work together. So let's say that you pray and you ask God a question and God answers it and what you think is God answering it, but that contradicts the scriptures. So let's say that you're you're a married man and you're bored with your wife. You know, she's just boring to you. And so you ask God, hey, can I just divorce my wife for any and every reason because I'm kind of bored with her? And then you sense in your spirit, oh, sure, that'd be cool, you know? <laughs> then you're not hearing from God because that's not consistent with the scriptures. You don't get to just dump your wife because you're bored, you know? It, it. So then you have to realize, okay, well, I need to make sure that if I think I'm hearing from God, that it's consistent with the teachings of the scriptures. Then on the other side, if you read the Bible and it's just dead, meaningless, doesn't jump out at you, there's nothing happening there, then you need the Holy Spirit to bring the Word of God to life, that it can be living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. You know, like if, if it's just dead, then you don't have the Holy Spirit bringing to life the Word of God. So we need both of them to work together. If we don't have both, it can get messy. You know, you can end up thinking you're hearing from God, but you're just not. And that's, I tell you what, that's a real problem. People thinking they're hearing from God, but it's just their emotions or it's just their imagination. Or on the other side, they think they're hearing from God, but they've just been taught some human theological construct that's not even accurate. You know, like we got these big, oh, big theology, you know, oh, I'm hearing from God. I'm understanding the ways of God. Well, if it doesn't match up with the heart of God, then you're just off on that. Or you can think you're following God and hearing from God and you're just you're just getting the approval of Christian culture and, you know, the Christians around you are like, oh, yep, that's a good idea. But it could be something that maybe has swayed away from God. You know, like, for example, hating various groups of people. You know, there's nothing in the scriptures that says we get to hate various groups of people. But in certain Christian circles, you know, you can 
be, uh, you know, you can have people say, yeah, good for you. You hate those people too, you know, like, and that's, that's a disaster. So we need to be able to hear from God the right ways, grab hold of the truth. Let me give some biblical examples of people hearing from God so that we can, uh, you know, kind of get a picture of this. Uh, just from scriptural examples. The first one I want to look at is Jesus picking his 12 disciples or his, uh, his apostles. We're going to go to Luke chapter 6, read verses 12 and 13. It says this, On one of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles. And then it goes on to list those 12. So, we see that Jesus needing to hear from God on who to choose as his 12 apostles spent the whole night praying to God. In the morning, he's got clarity. He's like, all right, it's you 12. And he picks them. So how did Jesus hear from God? It was through personal prayer, praying through until the answer came. In in this case, all night long. Doesn't necessarily have to be all night long, but if Jesus prayed all night long, it might take longer than 15 seconds. You know, personal prayer is the example here of how Jesus heard from God. There can also be corporate prayer and fasting. We'll go to the uh, the book of Acts chapter 12, starting in verse 25, and we see the, uh, the, the calling of Barnabas and Saul, or the apostle Paul. Acts 12, 25 through 13, 3. When Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission, so they were delivering... Uh, and offering some alms to the poor from Antioch to Jerusalem. They'd finished that. They returned from Jerusalem, taking with them John, also called Mark. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. So they are commissioned now to be basically full-time missionaries, and they start their missionary journeys. You know, the Apostle Paul with Barnabas. So there's corporate fasting and prayer and there is very little explanation of the exact specifics of how this works. Uh, you know, the Holy Spirit said to one of them, to all of them at the same time, was this a still small voice kind of a thing where they all just kind of figured, you know what, I think, I think it's, it's Barnabas and Saul. I mean, I can just feel in my spirit that God wants to do something with them. And uh, yeah, me too. I feel that too. Like, was it that? Was it an audible voice? Ah, doesn't say. The Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. But this is happening in corporate prayer and fasting. So we have personal prayer, now corporate prayer and fasting. It can be a prophetic word. Let's go to Acts chapter 21. People hearing from God through a prophet speaking. So Acts chapter 21, starting in verse 7. Here, Luke, who wrote Acts, is traveling with Paul. He gives this account of a situation. We continued our voyage from Tyre and landed at Ptolemais, where we greeted the brothers and sisters and stayed with them for a day. Leaving the next day, we reached Caesarea and stayed at the house of Philip, the evangelist, one of the seven. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. After we had been there a number of days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. Coming over to us, he took Paul's belt, tied his own hands and feet with it, and said, The Holy Spirit says, 
In this way, the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the people there pleaded with Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, Why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. When he would not be dissuaded, we gave up and said, The Lord's will be done. So this is a really interesting one. There's a prophetic word and people don't dispute the word, but they interpret it very differently. Agabus says, Paul, they're going to tie you up and bad things are going to happen to you. You're going to be, you're going to be bound, imprisoned. Who knows what's going to happen? And everybody tells Paul, don't go to Jerusalem then, man. Bad things are going to happen to you. Paul says, I don't care if bad things happen to me. I'm going to Jerusalem. So Paul doesn't say, no, I'm not going to be bound in Jerusalem. Everything's going to work just nice. They're going to think I'm awesome. They're going to give me presents. He, he's, he's saying, yeah, you know what? I, I'm, not, uh, I'm not worried about being bound. I'm not even worried about being killed. I'm going to go to Jerusalem because I got work to do. So there is a very different interpretation of what to do with that prophetic word. Now, a good reason for that is because Paul had already been warned by the Holy Spirit that hardships were coming. So we were just reading in chapter 21. We go to chapter 20 you know, back it up a little bit, read chapter 20, 22 through 24, Paul, the apostle Paul says this, and now compelled by the spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. So Paul doesn't care if he's bound in Jerusalem. He doesn't care if he's killed in Jerusalem. He just wants to finish the race of doing everything he can to testify about the grace of God. So Paul is not worried about his physical safety, but Agabus and the others are. So there you go. We have a prophetic word, people hearing from God through a prophetic word. The Holy Spirit warning Paul, the prophetic word from Agabus, there's other ways of hearing from God we see in the scriptures. There's dreams and visions and, and quoting scripture, you know, and, and the other ways of hearing from God. There's a whole bunch of ways to hear from God. So hearing from God can be a little tricky because, you know, sometimes you might miss it. You're under this impression and you're thinking, and so I want to give you my top five tips for hearing from God. All right, here we go. Top five tips and then we'll receive Holy Communion together. Tip number one is pray and read your Bible. If you don't pray or read your Bible and you think, oh, God never talks to me, well, you have to talk to him. And when you pray, leave gaps, ask questions, you know, let the Lord speak to you. So again, if you don't pray, if you don't read your scriptures, then why would you expect to hear from God? He could speak to you if he wanted, you know, and override your inclination to not interact with him. But the normal way is through prayer. We see Jesus praying. We see uh, the group there in Antioch praying. You know, Agabus obviously is praying and getting a prophetic word. We, you got to pray and read your Bible. Have listening be a significant part of your prayer time. Seek the Lord's guidance. And then don't whine and complain if you don't hear from God when you're not praying and reading your Bible. There you go. So tip number one, pray and read your Bible. Tip number two to hear from God is be honest. Be honest. You've got to eliminate the biases in your heart. A great story. I don't know if he's still there, but the, the youth pastor in Brainerd a few years ago 
I was at a thing where he was at and he was giving a little presentation on hearing from God. And he said in Bible school, I think the number was eight. Not sure if that's exactly right, but it was a very large number. Uh, eight girls who came up to him at Bible school and said, God told me we were going to get married. So <laughs> clearly God did not tell eight different girls that they're going to marry this guy or we got a whole lot of changes we need to make, <laughs> you know. Uh, so uh, there was a bias there. Oh, this guy is an up and comer. This guy is really cute. He's a great man of God. You know, he, and so, oh, God is telling me that we're going to get married. But clearly not. There was a bias there. This wasn't an honest seeking. It was a wanting of something and then an imagination uh, or an emotion of just, yeah, this would be great. So we need to get rid of our biases. We need to seek the Lord honestly. That can be kind of challenging because there can be a lot of noise in our hearts that's louder than the still small voice of God. So we need to try to get quiet and be truly honest. So pray, be honest. Third tip is take your time. So uh, the longest discernment process I had to deal with was moving from Big Fork to Cloquet. That was actually a three-year process of trying to hear from God. Should I move my family from Big Fork, Minnesota and the church I was pastoring there to Cloquet and plant another church here in Cloquet. Should I do that? That was a three-year process. Part of the reason it was a three-year process is there was a lot of noise in my head. I had some biases. I was, I had a chip on my shoulder about pastors who left difficult places. Like, ah, you can't hack it, you loser, you know? And so I'm like, ah, you know, like if I leave here, then I'm one of those, you know, can't hack it, you loser people. And I didn't want to be that. I want to be someone who fought the good fight, you know? And so I had this pride and this noise in my head that made it hard for me to hear from God. I consulted some uh, spiritual mentors, people I really trusted, uh, especially Doug, and uh, was really seeking seeking the Lord. But with all that noise, it took a long time to hear. And so then finally, yep, I believe this is what God has for us. And so we moved to Cloquet. So it's okay to take your time. If you rush the process, you jump in, uh, you know, like, oh, you know, believe, heard from God here. Well, oh, and then you go over here, oh, over here, you're bouncing all over the place. That's no good. Go ahead and take your time. If it's an important decision, go ahead and take your time. If you're trying to figure out, hear from God on what to order on the menu, you don't necessarily have to take your time so much. But if it's an important thing, do I take the job or not? Do I start this business or not? Do I uh, plant this church or not? Do I move my family or not? Take the time because there's going to be hardships and difficulties and there's going to be roadblocks and you need to know that you're in the middle of God's will so that you can fight those roadblocks instead of thinking, I never should have done this in the first place. So take your time to hear from God. Number four, trust and obey. So don't waste your time trying to hear from God unless you are prepared to follow through on what the Lord shows you. If you want to hear from God, then you are hearing direction from God. You're being led by God. You, and so you got to do it. <laughs> you don't get to hear from God and be like, yeah, I don't think so. Like, uh, thanks for the option, but I'm, I'm just going to do something else. You know, if you're going to hear from God, you got to be prepared to do what the Lord shows you to do. You got to trust and obey. And honestly, if you call Jesus Lord, you got one option, do what he tells you. So there's not actually multiple options. So I'm not telling you, well, okay, I guess I won't 
seek the Lord because I'm not ready to trust and obey. If you're a believer, if you, if you call Jesus Lord, then you need to be ready to trust and obey. So be prepared to do what he shows you to do. I had one time where I was disobedient to what God showed me to do, and it was followed by six months of quiet. I got nothing from God for six months. That was very unpleasant. Trust and obey. And when you're, if you're, let's say you're just learning how to trust and obey. Start with the simplest scriptures that you can find in the Bible and follow those. Like Matthew 7, 7, we read earlier, you know, seek, ask, knock, ask, seek, knock, I believe is the proper order. Uh, just go ahead and do that. You know, maybe you don't have your life all straightened out, but seek the Lord, ask God questions, knock on the door. Go ahead and do that. That's pretty simple. It's not hard to understand. Seek God. Go ahead and put that into practice. So pray, be honest, take your time, trust and obey. And then last one, tip number five is learn from your mistakes. We all miss it from time to time. Go ahead and practice and learn. Um, I hate it when people say, well, I'd, uh, you know, I'd have done it all the same if I had to do it over again. You telling me you learned nothing? If I had to do stuff over again in my life, there isn't anything I do the same way. I mean, learn stuff. <laughs> you know, it's fine to say, look, with the information I had, I did the best I could. I don't know that I would make a different decision now if I was in that same level of personal development. But now I have grown and I understand and I see more. And so now if I was to go back there, I would do it differently because I've learned some things. That's good. When you're hearing from God, don't just pretend everything is right and perfect and just go ahead and learn from your mistakes. Uh, I think giving is a great example. You know, we talk about praying, uh, giving as the spirit directs, you know, pray and ask God what you should give and then give that you know, give what the spirit directs you to give. I remember one time I was in an event where there was an emotional appeal to give towards a particular thing. And the plate came by and I'm like, oh, that's so beautiful. And I put money in and uh, the plate went by and all of a sudden, like you gave more than you're supposed to. Like, oh, okay. Well, now how much did that hurt me? I put in a little more money than I should have for the cause. No problem. I mean, it was just cash. I wasn't like turning over my life savings or something, just cash in my wallet. But there was a clear like, oh, you gave more than you were supposed to. All right, well, he, then, then I can recognize that's an emotion rather than the Holy Spirit's leading. Fasting is a great way to learn to, to discern what is your body telling you versus what is the Holy Spirit telling you. You're on day two of your fast and your body will whisper in your ear, eat a hot dog. <laughs> it doesn't matter. And you can tell, okay, that's my body speaking. That's not the Holy Spirit. So there's different ways you can practice and you can learn. So I encourage you to do that. Try to hear from God, learn over time. Uh, and giving is a great way to learn some of that.